Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. Center, it sounds very huge and elevated, and that's what it feels like. Like once you're working there, because rent is about much more than just friendship, love, and musical theater. It was about something that shook musical theater. People are becoming more and more comfortable with, you know, issues of people being different. I mean, we do it all. I mean, you know, we don't we don't back away from anything. Welcome back to Broadway Bullet, Volume 123. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and we got some fantastic stuff for you this episode. Uh, coming up first, you know, it was uh, hell getting down to the studio today. The subways were all messed up for any New Yorkers who were uh, here on Wednesday. And so I didn't get my research done quite properly for my interview with Kate Schindel and Richard Blake of uh, Legally Blonde. And I totally missed that Kate Schindel is a former Miss America as well. 1998, so uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to hear from the soundtrack of Legally Blonde as well. We've also got, drumroll, Stephanie Block is here to talk about her career and uh, Boy From Oz and Wicked and Pirate Queen. Uh, she gives us a lot of great dirt. So, And long-awaited, we have got the second installment of Broadway Abridged Live. This week, Gil Verode and the crew take on a chorus line. Plus, On the Positive Side is back this week. I apologize for everybody who missed Marty last week. I ended up a little bit ill, and I was unable to meet him in the studio to record him, so that was my bad. All right, well, let's not waste any time and get into this great episode. Listening Room. The Legally Blonde cast album just came out a few weeks ago, and we've been working on getting a couple people in. It's taken so much time because Legally Blonde's so popular, and I was afraid it'd take a little longer <laughs> today. Uh, but we've got Kate Schindel and Richard Blake here with us. How are you guys doing? How are you doing? Okay. Good. I was it's afraid. It's a little were... crazy out there today. Yeah, every subway's run. It took me three hours and fifteen minutes to take my twenty-minute subway ride. Oh, it's absurd. I, I was sure this wasn't going to happen today. <laughs> a, little, a little, a little flash flood will do that to you. I bet people were really friendly though on the train. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was oh, yeah, really it nice was, there. <laughs> and it was packed. <laughs> I got to I got to listen to a lot of news on Ten Ten Winds on my way in. So you know, I, I know if you guys want to know what's going on in the world, just ask me afterwards. Richard lives in the faraway country of New Jersey. <laughs> Where Kate Schindel is from. I am. I am from New Jersey. <laughs> so, how did you guys? Uh, how have you guys been enjoying your stint with Legally Blonde? It's been a few months now, and you've settled into the roles. And uh, okay, first of all, um, when you say stint, it makes me feel like it's almost over. So, uh, <laughs> don't scare me like that. Which drives me into uh, immediate money panic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I, should bring, I, I, I should bring up for the, the two of you in here. How long are you contracted in here? How long does our audience have to catch you two in this show? I'm in till, uh, I think, the second week of January. Yeah, we're in at the same time. We both are contracted for a year um, from our first uh, performance, which was in San Francisco. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully uh, if things go well and they continue to like us, maybe we'll stay a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's it. Um, it's, you know what, it's great. We, we've been open for 
officially opened for about two months and started previews three months ago. And it, what's weird is, I don't know if it's because other shows are closing, I don't know if it's because it's summer, but our audiences have just been getting better and more hyper and um, more sort of... <laughs> they tend to make sounds that only the dogs can hear, you know, <laughs> when they're screaming. Well, it's great, especially during the summer. We get yeah. all the kids, you know, which is, you know, such a great energy, you know, yeah. all the kids who are off uh, from, you know, summer vacation. And they're just, it's like a kind of mini little rock concert. It's yeah. great. Yeah, which is kind of unusual because the show's so drab and dreary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. such a downer. I know. It's like you wouldn't expect that with a show about 14th century Italy. But for whatever reason, <laughs> they're just flocking. <laughs> well, we're going to play a few songs for the show. We're going to play two full ones um, and a couple snippets and discuss what's going on. So maybe let's kind of get the ball rolling with a little bit, um, go kind of in order. And that means it's uh, your song first, Richard. All right. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this song, anything, story behind it, a setup behind it? Um, well, this is like uh, right at the beginning of the show. Uh, in the first scene, Elle, uh, Elle Woods, the Reese Witherspoon from the movie, for those of you um, at home who have only seen the movie, um, that character is uh, preparing to go out to dinner with me um, where she believes that I'm going to propose to her. Um, and so then I show up and take her to this beautiful restaurant, and um, I guess, you know, the rest you can hear in the song. He shows up in aviator sunglasses, and I think that's an important detail that should not be overlooked. <laughs> it's true. It's, 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 quite a, it's quite a spectacular moment that Jerry Mitchell gave me to, you know, be made fun of. <laughs> All right, so here's Sirius. We both know why we're here. I see it in your eyes. I guess it calms my fear. No, it's not a surprise I thought one look at you Looking like a dream come true Would leave me speechless like you always do But now we're wide awake We've got some plans to make Let's take some action, baby So baby, give me your hand I've got some dreams to make true I've got the future all planned It's time to get serious Time to get serious with you I never thought that I um, Honey, I'm not finished Oh, sorry Since I was two or three My life was planned out neat I'd get my law degree yeah. And then win my senate seat A big white house back east oh, oh. All of the amenities yeah. Kids, at least just like the Kennedys Here's where our lives, our begin. lives begin But just where do you fit in? Let me in. I'll break it down now, baby So baby, give me your hand Here's my hand, here's my hand I've got some dreams to make true We both have dreams to make true I know that you'll understand A senator when I'm 30. I'm gonna need somebody serious. Less of a Marilyn, more of a Jackie. Serious. Somebody classy and not too tacky. 
Jackie. What? Okay, that came out wrong. <laughs> Baby, let's both be strong. <laughs> I mean, we've known all along. Just shut up. What does that mean? I'm not a Jackie. I'm not serious. But I am seriously in love with you. Baby, my future's all planned. I've got some dreams to make true. I thought that you'd understand. It's time to get serious. Time to get serious. Check, please. So heading from, um, you know, Sanford, you guys are both in the San Francisco production. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, coming over here. And San Francisco, the word of mouth was just like, crazy you know yeah. everybody's like ah oh, it's gonna be you know big hit coming to broadway and and i guess i'm kind of curious the the feeling behind her you know because i think everybody's still shocked that legally blonde didn't wind up with the best musical nom hmm. yeah. Ooh, you're gonna get into the controversy you know <laughs> our, our producers um sort of gathered us on stage the next day because we don't do tuesday night shows so the nominations came out on a tuesday and we came in for the wednesday matinee and there was this announcement that's like so Hal and Kristen would like to see everyone on stage. Don't worry, it's nothing bad. We're not closing. <laughs> um, and Hal basically said, you know, something crazy. He said almost exactly something crazy happens every year with the Tonys, and this year it was our turn. But then they sort of turned around and said, and with the money we're not going to spend having to perform on the Tonys, we're going to put it all into marketing, and here's our plan. And um, they didn't panic at all, so neither did we. And uh, what's lovely is that the audience for the show only seems to be growing, aided, I think, by the release of the album, uh, which people seem to really like. But Richard's been in more Broadway shows than years I've been alive, so <laughs> he probably knows wow. better about some of um, that. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it, it definitely was kind of a shock, um, just because, you know, we all real, really feel proud of what we're doing, and, uh, and the audiences do seem to like it so much. Um, but, uh, you know, at, at the same time, you know, it's it's legally blonde. I understand. I've done more m movie musicals than uh, than anybody on the planet. So uh, you know, I, I kind of had a when little a bit of. I was a, I was a little bit um, aware of what might happen. What a couple of the other ones you've been in. Oh God, Footloose, Name a movie. Wedding Singer, <laughs> Hairspray, uh, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, and no, I've, I've I've run the gamut. Um, no, but but like Kate said, the album you know certainly has helped. I mean, we were number one. Um, mm -hmm. I think last week on the uh, on the soundtrack, uh, it even debuted in the whole top 100. And, and yeah, and, and Billboard top 100, which is unheard of and, and, and amazing. Um, and so we're all very very excited about that, and you know, and still about just uh, putting out a great show, and audiences seem to respond to that. And there are actually a couple of sort of unconventional things in the works that we are so not at liberty to talk about <laughs> right now, but um, I think are really creative and sort of, I hate this expression, uh, but thinking outside the box um, in terms of how to market and put a Broadway show out into the, you know, into the, uh, allow it to reach the target audience who can't necessarily spend $120 to come see it, so. That was great. Now everybody's going, what is it? I know. <laughs> You'll have to come to Legally Blonde. We'll be announcing it from stage during one of the curtain calls in the next six weeks. They're <laughs> going to perform on the moon. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where our target audience is, <laughs> the moon. 
Well, let's take a listen to another just snippet of one of the songs. I'm, I'm wondering if you have any stories surrounding it at all. Um, it's Whipped Into Shape is the one we're going to play next. Whipped Into Shape is awesome because we're not in it. <laughs> I mean, we sort of... We're in it, but but the, the number actually takes place in, in a jail cell, and um, Brooke Wyndham, the... the a woman on trial is an aerobics instructor, and, and she has the people in the jail cell working out with jump ropes. So this entire number is done while jumping rope. It, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's truly something, you know, to, to look at in awe. We don't have to jump rope. So for us, this number rocks. We roll in and out on rolling chairs. <laughs> yeah, we, we basically just stand there and do a little scene work and sing, you know, sing a little bit. But, uh, but this one is an easy one for us, um, and we just get to laugh at everybody else who has to sweat, like, crazy. But Jerry, um, our director, invited us, those of us who weren't in the number, to come do it every day because they were they were jumping rope every day from the day we started rehearsals from 10 to 11. So we were never called before 11. But if we wanted to come at 10 and do the jump rope just as a warm-up and, you know, just to be fit and whatever, I did. I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to get in shape and then my costumes will be too big. It'll be amazing. And I lasted three days before I hurt my back so badly that I, like, couldn't jump up and down. Which so. was exactly three days longer than me. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of a... Uh whipped in the shape. Do you want an easy miracle? Do you want to lose a pound or two? Then you can turn this off right now. My workout's not for you. I'm talking to the woman who wants it all. Gotta pay for what you get. Cause size two clothes don't come to those too lazy to sweat. I want you whipped into shape. When I say jump, say how high. You know you're doing it right. When you start to cry. If you don't look like you should. You got to whip it, whip it, whip it good. So oh, one, one, of the, one of the minor <clears throat> things that, that impressed me somehow, you know, in, in the little things that are, like, somehow impressive is the way the jump rope froze in, in the freeze segments stage of the... Stage magic. <laughs> stage magic. Stage magic. Things we can do with CGI. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, no, we have, we have a couple of those little, you know, little trickery things in, in the show. We have in the opening scene, there's, like, mm -hmm. a, a pole slide, like a fireman-like pole slide where one person gets on, like, in, in, a, in a robe, and as they slide down, it's, like, very Batman-esque. They end up in full costume yeah. by the time they get to the bottom of the, uh, of the pole. And Laura Bell's dress. And it's oh, amazing yeah. that, like, these things... The magnetized dress. Yeah, these things are so simple. Like, it, you sort of... If you know how they work, you sort of go, well, how could anybody not figure out how that works? And yet people constantly ask, well, how did you do the jump rope? How did you do the dress? You know, it's just whatever works for people, I guess. <laughs> I'm still wondering about the Phantom in the chair, you know, at the end of Phantom. So I guess that's my sort of idiocy. <laughs> I still haven't figured out how to do that. Well, moving on to the next song that we're going to play. Uh, this one, most people, if they've seen the movie at all, they should probably recognize where this came from. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe there's, if you know anything around around this song, Bend and Snap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a move that I that my character does in the show um, a lot. <laughs> so that's where... It, so, oh, wait, no, that's not me. Um, Kate, you're, you're a female. I'm, you should describe this one. I'm not in Bend and Snap. But I will say that when I, when I first heard they were making Legally Blonde into a musical, I thought, well, of course there's going to be a Bend and Snap number because it's just, I think it's one of the most sort of natural moments in the movie to expand into a musical number. Um, it's It almost was a musical number in, in the sort film, film kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, basically, it's this sort of patented move that Paulette, the, uh, the sort of the hairdresser character, 
accidentally does without knowing it, and then everybody spends the entire number telling her why this uh, move is so effective on straight guys and why she has to use it when her UPS guy comes back, and then actually it figures very prominently in a way it didn't in the movie into what happens later in the court case um, uh, in the following scene, mm -hmm. which we are in, yay, <laughs> <laughs> which we ride moving benches in for. <laughs> And in this number, they use kind of like th her three friends in the movie are kind of used oh, as yeah. like a Greek chorus in the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As well. Literally like a Greek Margo chorus. Margot Serena in... Pilar, um, PMS, um, which is how we affectionately call them. Um, they, they, uh, they, yeah, they are used as a Greek chorus and they, they sort of like show up periodically throughout the, uh, throughout the show and, you know, bring a lot of, you know, comedic, uh, I don't know, comedic. Belting. <laughs> Belting and interludes, uh, you know, and uh, snippets. Yeah. All right, well, here's a little taste of Bend and Snap. Look at my ass, look at my thighs. I'm catnip to the guys. They chase my tail, they drool and pant. Want to touch this, but they can't. No, all the boys want to come and play. Snap my fingers and they obey. Why do they follow me around all day? Watch me while I walk away. Bend and Snap. Feel how hot it's getting. We're coming up on your song, Kate, I promise. Oh, you know what? <laughs> it's a, order it's a real songs. shame they can't sing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> those those I girls. I actually have really, I don't know if everybody does, I have a really hard time listening to myself on recordings. Unless we've spent weeks and weeks and weeks listening and mixing. And, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, I, I, uh, I'm fine with it. <laughs> So moving on, as you say, the next scene, this song is from the courtroom case. They're right there. Oh, you're playing this one. Yeah. Well, just a snippet. They're, they're, there's definitely going to be a lot of surprise left when they get the soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Honestly, uh, honestly for, for those of you who haven't seen the show and, and, and who are definitely coming to the show, as you all are, everyone listening to this is coming to see the show. Um, well, Richard Blake will hunt you <laughs> or down I will hunt his you new down. SUV. <laughs> um, no, uh, this is actually one of like the most fun numbers on Broadway. Mm -hmm, Honestly, mm -hmm. like, I, like I, in all the shows I've done, this one's just kind of <laughs> just crazy and uh, and a lot of fun. And the bend and snap, which uh, we just heard, uh, you know, does play heavily into this scene, um, which I'm not going to give away because you guys are going to have to come see it. Yeah, what's nice about this song, I think, and, um, and one of the later numbers is that the, the pacing of the show for us dictates that this comes at the exact moment that you would start to crash. Like, oh, we're halfway through Act 2, we've got some more show to do. But then suddenly you're doing these insanely silly things and singing these ridiculous lyrics and Irish dancing, eventually. Um, and it, right, Give it away. I know, I gave away <laughs> the Irish dancing, um, which is pivotal. Um, but it, it just, it's so silly and fun and nice to do because it kind of lifts the energy for us right at the point where the energy could start to take a nosedive. It's, I think it's a well-paced show. So. Word. Word. <laughs> All right. So here's a bit of there right there. There right there. Look at that tan, well-tinted skin. Look at the killer shape he's in. Look at that slightly stubbly chin. Oh, please, he's gay. Totally gay. I'm 
not about to celebrate Every trait could indicate A totally straight expatriate This guy's not gay I say not gay That is the elephant in the room Well, it's irrelevant to assume That a man who wears perfume Is automatically, radically fake But look at his quaffed and crispy locks Look at his silk translucent socks There's the eternal paradox Look what we're seeing What are we seeing? Is he gay? Or European? Now, we all know with musicals, there can tend to be a lot of rewrites and songs mm-hmm. thrown out and gone away. And I'm curious if either of the two of you had songs written for your characters that you really liked that got tossed, or or if there was just a song from the show that you thought was really good that just un, you know didn't make yeah. it in for dramatic reasons, whatever. You know what's funny? You and me are probably two of the only people whose stuff has been the same since yeah. day one. Since day yeah. one, since the very first reading that we did of this, yeah. like, years ago. Um, but, uh, but, but Kate and I are in a number... Um, in the show that is now called uh, Positive. Um, And we are in that number, uh, uh, sort of, we freeze, and we stand in a freeze throughout the number. But hey, we're in it. Um, But what's going on around us What's going on around us has changed more than any other number in the show. Um, It it went through so many different titles and melodies, and, uh, and, you know, and then they finally finally got it right. Yeah. There are three... Well, there's another number, the Ireland song, oh, yeah. that was a complete was t- a couple completely different numbers. It started out as that good boy dog song, which oh yeah, about a dog, oh. um, and then bad idea, and then bad idea, which I actually loved. I thought bad, bad idea, idea was, was pretty funny song. hysterical, um, <laughs> and then it became this ballad called Ireland. But even within the numbers that have changed. Um, or, I mean, within the numbers that have remained, there have been a lot of changed lyrics, like the bend and snap. Uh, they gave them new lyrics one night, and they went in the next day during a preview. So, they you know, they rewrote all the lyrics top to bottom. Thank God. My, my, mine have never changed because yeah. I, I, I don't have the brain capacity to do it. I like know, to phone it changes. in myself. <laughs> just, <laughs> anything that requires thought is just... And if anybody does want to hear Ireland, we did play a sneak preview of that back in volume 118 when Orfe came in to chat. So, Excellent. Uh-huh. so still well, still out there for people to check. Go back, out. kids, go back. Smell you, Nancy Drew. <laughs> yeah, she can she she can sing that, yeah. that that Orfe. Well now for this next song, I guess it sounds like Kate wants to go running from the room. Hmm. <laughs> We're up to your song, which I'm gonna award the category of most uh, confusing title. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, when you see it in the show, I think it makes perfect sense. It's ridiculous, but it makes sense. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty insane. We're gonna play the full one of this. Any any setup okay. needed for a Legally Blonde remix? Your number? Well, it's. I mean, do just, I blow I'll, the I'll entire up, show? I'll set, up, I'll set it up by saying, just know that to to hit the notes that Kate's hitting in this song is not easy (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know it's funny because I I don't sing much in the show I certainly sing less in this show than um, any other show I've ever done actually for instance you did Lucy in Jekyll High yeah right where it's like seven power ballads in a row we did it in a concert setting actually where there was so little time in between that I was just fried but but what what does go on with this song. It's not even all me, um, but it's kind of looming over the entire show, so I'm always having to check myself and make sure I'm not over-singing in some ensemble thing that will render me unavailable for participation in the stuff where it really counts. Maybe Warner's all right, let's take a listen. sleeping her way to the top, but I see a woman who doesn't have to. I used to pray for the day you leave, swore up and down you did not belong. I was wrong about you. So listen up. 
again. Um, honey, you're in the supply closet. I know. I said I'm never wearing that again. I'm wearing this.
Okay, we're going to have to wrap this up quickly because I know you guys got to run over to the theater and get ready for the show. We got to do all that live now. <laughs> I'm not running anywhere. Just... It's like 95 degrees out. <laughs> I, gonna... I do want to let our listeners know that we over this week we are going to be giving away four copies of the soundtrack. And the, awesome. the only way they can register to, you know, can find I get out how to... <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. But the only way they can find out how to win is to be registered at BroadwayBullet.com so they should sign up for Stretch to users quickly so they can get register, in on... Register. Sign up now while you're thinking you about can get, it. You can, get, you can get a copy of Legally Blonde, which is like number one on the on the theater soundtrack and like on the Billboard 100. Like, I mean, come on. No other Broadway shows there? And features or Broadway's are, Richard but, H. Blake, which, you know... Yeah. Okay. Ghost Ghostlight Records. That you can get it in any record store. You can, you can get, get it in any record Amazon, store. Amazon, iTunes. Anywhere. Yeah, but they want they need to sign up here so they can get the free. It's tally. probably being bootlegged on a corner down in like you know Chinatown. Yeah, right next to Rush Hour Three is the legally <laughs> blonde cast album. That's o- that's only that's only when I have time to go down there and sell them. But um. <laughs> well, Richard and. Uh, Kate, I thank you so much for coming down and, and chatting in this crazy, crazy traffic day. Oh, <laughs> word. But okay, it was I won't totally ever say that again, it. I promise. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> I, won't ever say word, I won't ever say word again. No, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Okay. Bye. The Call Board. All right. Right now, The Call Board is sponsored by um, me. So uh, if you got any recording any done, vocal, instrument, band, projects, doesn't have to be musical theater. I do pop, rock, R&B is an addition to musical theater. Uh, great location here in the middle of Times Square, and the rates aren't too bad either. So if you're looking to get something done or if you know somebody who's looking to get great work, I do guarantee my stuff. Uh, you can give me a call at 646-345-3433. Also, if you're looking to buy rent in New York City, uh, give my partner, business partner David, a call, 646 646- Nine two zero three four zero two. Y'all know that finding an apartment is very hard in New York City, and uh, you got a lot of shady people. Uh, just let him know that you called from Broadway Bullet, and he'll make sure you're treated great. Okay, so last week I announced that we're going to be giving away a gold membership package to the New York Musical Theater Festival. This includes, among other things, uh, four pairs of tickets to the shows of your choice and a lot of other little perks. So uh, it's $100 value. So you want to play it. Last week I gave six questions and this week I'm giving the answers all out of order. Now, just email me the questions with the answer at info at broadwaybullet.com. I'm going to pull a winner at random. Uh, see if we can maybe round up a couple of consolation prizes for the others. And, uh, and then you'll get a great prize. So here are the answers. The answers in no particular order, of course. A Stars and Stripe construction hat. Answer two, Ewan Morton. Answer three, Drift. Answer four, Mia Michaels. Answer five, Pepper. And answer six, Sebastian Arcelis. All right. You think you got that? Okay, go back to the last episode, figure out the questions, and send that in to info at broadwaybullet.com. We will be announcing the winner in our next episode, volume 123. So you have until uh, Monday night. Yeah, let's make it Monday night. Um, That would be the 13th of August. Okay, now we got some uh, stuff going on. On August 8th, Nellie McKay, who played Polly Peachum in the Roundabout's 2006 revival of the Three Penny Opera, goes at solo at Joe's Pub. McKay will play the Intimate Club located within the Public Theater at 11.30 p.m. Visit www.joespub.com for tickets and reservations. On August 12th, Daniel Richard, who stars as Bob Gaudio in the Tony Award-winning Best Musical Jersey Boys, will appear in his own concert entitled Summer Mixtape at Joe's Pub. 
Starting October 14th, two-time Tony Award winner Christine Ebersol, yeah, heard of her, will take part in an upcoming workshop hosted by the Fortune Society to help formerly incarcerated individuals make the transition back into society. And on August 27th, Kathy Deitch, who is part of the ensemble of Broadway's Wicked, will perform a benefit concert at the Zipper Factory. The evening, entitled All Heart, will feature tunes by the rock group Heart. Proceeds will benefit the Bob Fennell Scholarship at Brooklyn College and the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Showtime is 8 p.m. All right, if you're looking for more information on anything I mentioned, you can always go to our show notes page. That's at broadwaybullet.com. And just click on the show notes for volume 123 for links to not only stuff from the call board, but links associated with everything going on in this episode. All right, let's get back to the show because we just got so much going on. We don't got any time to waste. Close. Well, I'm sitting here in the studio with Stephanie J. Block, who many of our fans should recognize. She's <laughs> recently starred in the much-talked-about Pirate Queen on Broadway. <laughs> that was very diplomatic of you. Much-talked-about. That's it's good. It's been much-talked-about on our show. I'll get into that. And uh, also was uh, in The Boy from Oz. Yep. And uh, also, you know, for all the people who start screaming, has done Wicked as well. Alphabet, correct? Correct. <laughs> Correct. So, amongst numerous other things in your career, how is it going? It's going well. It's uh, a little quiet now, <laughs> as we closed uh, the Pirate Queen last month, but things have been good and been doing readings here and there, which is great because for me, without working for about four or five weeks, I do get a little, I get a little prickly, get a little antsy. But it's been nice, you know, to do two weeks for the nine to five reading, and then next week I begin. Um, the roundabout is perhaps looking to revive Bye Bye Birdie, so we'll be yeah. doing a reading of that next week. So you know, just enough to keep me busy, and then my personal life is filling in the gaps. You know, I have to say, I'm curious, what is this about doing a reading for an established show that seems kind of odd? Well, they haven't <laughs> revived it since Cheetah Rivera. So since it is the 1950s, they think, how is this going to be able to translate, you know, to 2007, 2008? They try to see who in Broadway's community now could maybe fit these particular roles very well and to see if they can get the chemistry. And so really, it, it allows them to sit back, look at the piece from this day and age, look at the new Broadway personalities and what kind of colors and different personalities they can bring to the roles that have already been created. So you you excited? Are you fully on board with that if they go? Oh, go yeah. Oh, that would be swell. I mean, really, <laughs> really, really great. So um, I'm kind of lucky at this point just because there are kind of all these little seeds being planted that hopefully, you know, there will be a nice schedule for me in the next couple years. And we're going to get back to some of these upcoming possibilities and okay. rumors, but I, I would like to get back to him and talk to what King you discuss as the, the play way. We actually had, I don't know if you're familiar with Marty Cooper. Uh, he owns the colony. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Big fan of Pirate Queen. And he, and he, he was, he was you know, not ashamed of talking yeah, about it Yeah, he and his wife showed up show. several times, yeah. You know, he really felt that the press gave it, you know, a, a real unfair shake, and I'm wondering what you feel about that whole situation. Because from my perspective, it did seem to be also handled rather oddly. I was trying to talk to you when it was on the on the show, and all of a sudden they shut it down. Like they were afraid yeah. of anything bad happening, and yeah. they wouldn't let me in to see the show. They wouldn't let me to, to talk to you. I, <laughs> um, I I will agree with Marty. Uh, I think we got an unfair shake. I don't think anybody is going to say we had the most perfectly you know, written show ever, but there were elements to our show that were extraordinary and they were completely overlooked. You know, I, I feel if critics don't appreciate 
the music or this sort of epic musical if they want that genre to be gone altogether. That's one thing. But yet, you know, take the time and say, these costumes, the craftsmanship, they're extraordinary. You know, this, this voice on Hadley Frazier, who truly, when I heard that sound come out of him, I thought, wow, Broadway's really going to sit back and take notice because this voice is just thick and glorious. And really, you don't hear an instrument like that all, all that often, you know? <laughs> so I did think that there would certainly be points on both the pros and the cons list. And unfortunately, across the board, they all just hopped on the con train, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, uh, and it was kind of, you know, like a punch to a gut Time after time after time, I think everything was condensed with us opening in April and then, you know, the reviews coming out there shortly after was um, award season. And they were so back to back that there was no breathing space that maybe some musicals get to have. You know, they'll open for five months before award season, which allows people to take an exhale and then kind of go back and, and look at the play again from a different perspective. We didn't have that opportunity. You know, it was just kind of, here's a slug to the right cheek, here's a slug to the left cheek. And um, with the kind of imminent speak of young Frankenstein coming in, that did... Yeah, they're like, oh, no, you're not doing 100% business, we want Mel Brooks. uh, (laughs) Yeah, there was was a lot of talk. Because business wasn't bad. Business was not bad. Although um, our producers were very candid with us and said, you know, Hilton Theater... It's a corporation. They're not a normal theatrical landlord where you could go to somebody who owns a a theater there at the Nederlanders or the Schuberts. Although they're businessmen, too. They also know that, okay, summer's coming up, tour season's coming up. The people from Midwest, the people from out of town, we really think are going to embrace your show. So there was something contractually, which I don't feel comfortable speaking about here in the room. But um, it was very much of that corporation mentality as opposed to artistic mentality that once that happened, that was it. I'll tell you, uh, I'm taking some liberty speaking on John and Moya's behalf, but they wanted to keep it going. I mean, they were willing to see a deficit. They were willing to take a hit in the beginning, hoping that the word of mouth, which was really, we were starting to get a great fan base, and as we love embracing them and loving them, calling them the bridge and tunnelers, Mm -hmm. they were adoring the piece, and they were telling, you know, 20, 30 of their friends, and they were all coming back. So no, um, our ticket sales went down with the ebb and flow of the rest of the Broadway community, you know, when, Mm -hmm. when everybody's ticket sales was down, as did ours. But it wasn't <laughs> that bad to where the show came to an absolute screeching halt. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to be doing over 80% most of the time. I'm thinking it that's, really was. A lot of shows would kill for that, especially the size of the Hilton. <laughs> yeah, it really, it was doing all right. I so, imagine it was a pricey show to run, though, too. So I'll tell you, you know, even from a, a cast, it was, even from a, <laughs> a cast perspective, when we were packing up our dressing rooms, it was, um, I'm still tender about it, and that's the only word that I keep using because out of nowhere you feel like somebody, you know, pulled the rug out from under you. It just went, all right, we thought for sure we would make it to August or September at least, and then to close in in June was a really abrupt and sad goodbye. Do you think it's had anything to do with it? It's kind of an odd thing for a Bobo, you know, the Bobo Schoenberg show. All the other ones that have come to Broadway... All the other ones that have come to Broadway have had numerous incarnations in London or overseas, and they've been known yes. before they hit New York. Yes. And do you think that colored expectations, them not being told ahead of time that was a hit, but having 
Yes. Yeah. The interesting thing about Bubil and Schoenberg is they came to us and said, we are not critics' favorites. So be ready for that. We just, we aren't. When Les Mis opened in, um, in London, the biggest yeah. bomb you could possibly imagine. I mean, venomous, their, their reviews. Uh, but they were also stories that were very familiar. The story of Grace O'Malley was one that most Americans would... They had no idea who this woman was. I know when I got the call, you know, to audition, I had to immediately get on the computer, Google, and find out who she was because I had no idea. Mm. So I think that was part of it. Um, you know, the investment on the producer's end and the composer's end, they'd been working on it for five years. So they felt like there were many incarnations, not necessarily with a public audience, but, you know, they had gone through the entire score with a band, revised it. They had rented a studio in Ireland, hired dancers, and done choreography uh, choreography with dance arrangements well before the Broadway company had even come in. So to them, their preparations and their testing ground was ready to go. I think Chicago was a huge eye-opener, mm -hmm. and I do, uh, I love out-of-town tryouts because that's exactly what you're doing. It's a complete test run. You have no idea how you're going to be accepted or not accepted. And Chicago was a huge, huge eye-opener for us that this was a, a very detailed story, and people for two and a half hours were sitting there going, okay, I understood that. Oh, whoa, 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 how did we get here? You know what I mean? So to tell this woman's life, and they would compare it to an Avita, they wanted to have that similar feel with Grania. It was so complicated, you know? 72 years of this woman's pirating and her interactions with England and blah, blah, blah. And how can we make that concise and clear? And then what takes precedence over what stays and what goes when you're talking about a real, live, iconic personality. So it was touch and go there for a while, but I think they got a, a nice, clean sense when it reached Broadway. But again, you know, by <laughs> then, the word had already gotten out as to how people were responding to it in Chicago. There were a lot of naysayers right off the bat. It was interesting. It was really interesting. The energy was was something like I had never experienced when we reached Broadway. There was a whole handful of people with so much hope to bring back kind of the big spectacle musical. And there were a lot of people that were like, oh, yeah, we heard about Chicago. Good luck. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> it seems like with its Irish heritage stuff, it would have been more of a natural for Boston. Or was that specifically maybe where they, why they no. were going to Chicago, is to get away no, from... No, Chicago, the Irish community oh, really? in Chicago. Humongous. Okay, I, I wasn't aware that. I knew no, no, no. <laughs> humongous. So, um, yeah, there was, that was absolutely planned, mm -hmm. that demographic in that city. All right, well, in order to let people hear a little bit of what they may have missed, okay. uh, why don't we play one of the songs from Pirate Kingdom? The soundtrack is out and available. Right, it is, it is. I have yet to hear the entire thing, but um, this is the first song that Grania gets to sing. It was not in the Chicago production. It was specifically added and, and written for my character here on Broadway. It's called Woman, and it's kind of her, don't label me, don't tell me what I can do. This is my passion, and and. You watch me, I'm gonna do it. It's called Woman. All right, let's take a listen. Woman, I am born. What does woman mean? Must my dreams face scorn, held back and unseen? If I long for fire, must it stay unreal? Can I not desire? Am I not? If I ache to taste, am I not to try? If my heart says sail, why should I deny? 
hands I see horizons wide as a man's Must I be nothing till I'm some man's wife Look at this face, does it deceive? Do I look made to milk and to weave? I will be damned to hell if that is my life We're going to talk about some other okay. things in your career because it seems like you've you, you've gotten a massive fan base, but you're, you have had some like shows with like interesting talking points. Yeah. As, as we moved to Boy from Oz. Okay. I have not, in recent memory, seen a show that was so, you know, like tied with its umbilical cord to its star. Yeah. Um, and it must have felt odd because you gave a performance. It was much taller. You were Liza Minnelli. I was. In, the, in that show. And, I uh, was, I was. A couple of great numbers and stuff. And uh, you know, all the focus was just really around, does the show even run without Hugh? And in fact, if he was sick or if he was on vacation, they just shut We in. just shut down. <laughs> 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 that is very, very true. Um, it was interesting. He is such an amazing performer. He embodied this character to such an extent. And Boy From Oz was a fine line between a book musical and, as we would call it, an event. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? There was, of course, scripted scenes, but so much of who Peter Allen was, so much of his essence, was to break that fourth wall and reach out to the audience. And shortly after our first couple of previews, Q started inching his way towards that direction. I know we had discussed it in rehearsals, and they said, you know, let's keep it somewhat contained. But the audience would respond to him, and then it would become like this really interesting relationship. It was no longer people sitting in an audience watching a story be told. They were very much involved, and they would come to the theater hoping to be chosen, hoping to be commented. I remember, you know, um, Hugh, as Peter Allen, would always point out people who came late. People started purposefully coming late so that they could then, you know, be introduced and made fun of and have a spotlight for a hot second. Um, That started to creep into our scenes. We would be kind of servicing the story and forwarding the story of, you know, Peter Allen, Liza Minnelli. And teddy bears would be thrown on stage with Hawaiian shirts on or underwear or, I mean, so it just became like this interactive play. Um, I think we all took it in stride. I think we enjoyed the energy every single night because 
he would change it every single night. Staging would change, um, lines, cues would slightly change. It just was such an, um, an amazing opportunity as an actor to not kind of fall into that we're doing our 270th show rut. You know what I mean? It was completely different every single day. And what a joy. And really, I've been blessed that my backstage life has been so happy. And that was one of the greatest memories that I'll take with me is that that little boy from Oz family backstage was exceptionally happy and welcoming and loving one another. So, so it didn't great, bruise great. any egos oh, to have the media no. like, discussing no, this? No, no. A... I mean, there would be times where we're like, yeah, I'm the backup singer for Justin Timberlake because <laughs> the girls would be screaming crazy. And But, you know, we all, we all had our day in the sun, and I think Hugh made sure that if it was getting to be too overwhelming, he would say, and let's hear it for Isabel Keating as Judy Garland, or let's let's give it up for Stephanie Block paying Liza Minnelli. You know what I mean? He would he would give us the props when necessary. But no, I mean we absolutely knew where our bread and butter was. <laughs> we absolutely and when we took that one week or two week vacation because he was on vacation and yet we were still getting paid it was all good, Michael. We could we could care, care less. We'd come back to work the next Tuesday, slightly tanner, well-refreshed, and be like, go, Hugh. Go work two and a half hours, baby. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully my research is correct on this. Was that also your Broadway debut? That was my Broadway debut. I had come out um, with every anticipation of opening Wicked, that being my first Broadway debut. And um, as we were rehearsing to go out of town is when I got noticed that I'd be playing Liza. So I was able to go out of town and be with the premiere cast of Wicked, uh, standing by for Adina. Was able to go on once out of town as Elphaba. And then once that uh, contract was complete and Wicked was going to Broadway, I then kind of veered off and went off to The Boy From Oz. Well, why don't we take a listen to one of your songs? This is Liza from okay. Boy From Oz. Does this need any setup around it? Yeah, well, this was a, a fantastic number because it was um, taken from Liza's uh, Liza with a Z concert. The choreography is very similar with Fosse dancing. The My costume is identical to what she's wearing in the costume, as well as the backup dancers and kind of this black velvet piratey. And it, it should be and look and sound very much like her numbers in Liza with a Z 1972 concert. All right. I've been listening quietly, just waiting for my turn. But when it comes to music, there ain't nothing I can learn. Cause everything I live and breathe is written on an album sleeve. And I can tell you who is hot. Who will make it and who will not Cause I love to hear the music I've got every lyric down I love to hear them say I've got the greatest ears in town I'm there at every studio There ain't a pop star I don't know And sometimes they take me home but I always wake up alone Men that want to marry me They never satisfy The inner rhythms that I hear Are all that keep me high So they turn around and go And leave me by my radio I didn't love them anyway Not like I love the man who plays I love to hear the 
That day in San Francisco, where I was able to go on for Adina, was a blessing. Stephen Schwartz was in the audience. Minnie, Winnie Holtzman, who wrote the book, was in the audience, and one of our producers, uh, Mark Platt, was there. And they just said they, they got to see how I would have interpreted the role. And they said that was you know fantastic. Go off and and do your Broadway stint with Boy from Oz, and then we'd love to have you back as soon as we can. So there was this opportunity where uh, Alpha Buzz were kind of in transition. They were starting the national tour, and they were also um, ready to to say goodbye to Adina and bring on a new Elphaba there on Broadway. So, you know, it was this great toss-up, and uh, Shoshana then took over the role, Shoshana Bean, I should say, on Broadway, and I went off to originate the, the tour. Now, you still have some pretty strong ties with I the do. current cast of Wicked. I do. I'm marrying Fierro. <laughs> <laughs> he um, is an extraordinary man, and I know we call them showmances, and this is so not a showmance. Uh, I was leaving the tour as Sebastian Arcellus was coming into the tour, and um, extraordinary human being, and that was it. Uh, I left. He continued on until October. We maintained, you know, relationships and communications throughout, and uh, I was done. I mean, I, I once I was able to kind of let myself breathe and step back and, and take a minute with this person off stage, not the Alpha Fiero relationship, which is not us at all, but um, to know him as a person, I mean, I, I couldn't be more excited. 
Now, because of this, there's a lot of rumors flying yeah. about are you trying to get back in and do a little stint in? Am I trying? It sounds like I'm there. knocking and crawling well, at the door. Let me in. Let me in. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yes, there is There is some talks going on. Uh, again, you know, there's they're going to have a cast uh, turnover, I think, for lack of a better word, um, in October. And I do have some time that is available. So uh, there is some talking going on. Does that mean that I will... That it will end up being me playing the role? Nah, you know, you never believe that until there's an actual contract in hand and, you know, you're at your costume fitting. Uh, but it's it's certainly out there in the uh, universe. Yes, 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 yes. And to share the stage with Sebastian would be great. We would have to, of course, take some time off together for wedding and honeymoon. But I think it would be really swell to come back and, you know be together on stage as well as establishing a home off stage. I know a lot of people are wary of it and say, oh, it's too much time together. But I think for he and I, it would be the perfect dynamic and the perfect balance for us, at least for a couple months. And Wicked really needs another press angle to help. Yeah, I know. They're so sad, their ticket sales. (laughs) It's just so sad. Other projects you like, as you mentioned, you you did uh, a couple I, of workshops yeah, for nine to five. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are kind of interested how that's coming along. Oh, it went so well, everybody! It was a great, great day, and I think a lot of people's careers. And um, it really got a lot of juices flowing. And Dolly Parton is a dream to work with. Her score is fantastic, and you know you would kind of see way too many country songs. That's what I was a little uh, weary of. But she has written an unbelievable musical theater score. And in the script itself allows its lends itself to these kind of wonderful, dreamy musical theater, you know, numbers. And um, it was great. It was great to see theater owners and producers who are kind of always grim and stern to walk out of there saying, oh my gosh, that's one of the finest readings we've ever seen. We're excited about bringing this back to Broadway. So I don't think I'm talking out of turn. Uh, They will, uh, they do have a theater, an out-of-town tryout, which will happen uh, summer of next year. And then it will be coming back to Broadway. I do not know what theater, I do not know the exact dates, but it will be coming back to Broadway uh, fall of 2008. Um, is it okay to talk about it? Is, is that how how much liberty have they taken with the film? Or you know what, they've stayed pretty close to the film. Um, there, of course, you know, anytime you have a character like like these singing, I think the three girls. When you watch the movie, you could almost dictate where the musical numbers would go. But for someone um, like the boss, who is played by Mark Kudish, to have him kind of come out in his fantastic egocentric self and sing a song or the character of Roz who is kind of the Snoopy secretary for her to break out in song it really exposes so much more about these characters that you see in the film and their quirkiness and it's really going to be fantastic I'm very excited I think a lot of people are it was announced pretty suddenly too yeah 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 it seemed to be this thing that was like completely below everybody's radar and then just announced I'm telling you when we did the workshop we were like this sucker is so close to being ready which you know you don't really get to say that a year in advance advance before you go into actual production. Well, kind of wrap up, I understand that there's maybe like a real big pet project that you would love to maybe rally producers behind Uh and and this your dream thing, and that's a a revival of Funny Funny Girl. Girl. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's been well over 40 years. Barbara Streisand was a genius, and, uh, you know, she became a, a Broadway sensation with that play, but 
it is the story of Fanny Bryce, and there is a, a different take that can be taken. Now, as an actress, you see Barbara's choices, and you would say, I am an absolute fool if I don't do that because it is the right choice. It's the appropriate choice. It's the perfect choice. But I also think there's a different story there that if to go really in-depth with Fanny Bryce and to stay very true to that character as opposed to kind of following the exact path of Barbara Streisand. And the music, the score, you know, Julie Stein with the score, it's still one of those great actress roles that I, I don't know would be trumped anytime soon, even with fantastic Elphaba or Evita or, you know, Grace O'Malley. It's just one of those roles that I think there's a new audience out there for and, and can be a new appreciation for the music and, and the storytelling of Fanny Bryce. Well, fantastic. As producers, take note. Take note! <laughs> take note! <laughs> well, I thank you so much for coming in thank here you, and, and speaking so candidly about yeah, so yeah. many different things. And um, I guess maybe just as one last final note for, mm. for some of our younger listeners who are maybe thinking about getting into acting and stuff, mm -hmm. what would be your, maybe your biggest piece of advice to um, people looking at Can to... I be brutal? Yes, can I... okay. please. Okay. Kids... And maybe not even kids. Um, dreams are so not enough. Like, it, it fires you up, and the passion and the dreaming, fantastic. Now get to work. Save your money, because New York is beyond expensive. And next thing you know, you're working at the Starbucks or the Gap, and then you start missing auditions, and you wake up, and five years have passed, and you haven't been able to afford your life and make that dream come to fruition. Also, when you're in the business, it's, it's a great sacrifice. It's a great joy, and I don't know anything else that would fulfill me like this, but you will miss weddings. You will miss the births of your nieces and nephew. You will miss funerals. There is a lot of personal life that kind of falls short a little bit, and it, it, you, you do that with an understanding that, okay, you know, it's not a nine-to-five job. It becomes uh, very much a lifestyle. So if you're not ready for that, you're not ready for, for showbiz and, and, and Broadway life. You're just not. So take into consideration and save your money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well said. Thank you. <laughs> we can't and we can't close without mentioning your August twenty seventh concert at Birdland. Yeah. Yes, this is the first time. Uh, pardon me, the fourth time I'll be doing this concert. There will be some some changes and some song additions, but it's really such a great night, Michael. To to not be a character, to actually just be yourself and sing songs that you love and appreciate and really mean something to you and. Um, and, yeah, I invite you all to come. Uh, I wish I had the number for Birdland, but Birdland is on 44th between 8th and 9th. It's a 7 o'clock show. I have Billy Stritch at the piano. Um, really, it's, it's going to be a fantastic night. I think I'm going to be uh, bringing in Sebastian to do a duet or two with me. <laughs> and um, I invite you to come. I really invite you to come. There is also a special event that will be happening uh, about a half an hour to an hour before the concert where I'm going to be auctioning off some things from Wicked, some things from Boy From Oz, some things from Pirate Queen, and all proceeds will go to Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, and the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation. So if you can join us early and bid on some of these um, pieces for the auction, it, all monies will be going to a great <laughs> well, what have you been doing in the studio? It's clear you've got to find some work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a lot to do. We're are we talking about the solo album? Or here? Oh, no, no. We'll come, I'll come okay, back. Yes, you We've will run out of back. time, so we'll talk about more when I come back. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming down. Thank you. Okay. On the podcast.
positive side. Hey, once again, this is Marty Cooper on the positive side. I hope you didn't miss me too much. Uh, some of you probably didn't at all. I started talking last time about, about premium price tickets. Uh, I'm going to say one more thing, not to make anybody my enemy, because uh, I'm sure the people that act and sing and play and everything have nothing to do with this. I just feel that if if they didn't go, if they didn't pay those prices, uh, maybe they wouldn't do it. A customer of mine bought tickets, I think, for next September for Young Frankenstein, and all she can get online is row V. Now, that's impossible. It can't be that sold out. It's just that the producers of the show, as with many other shows, are not making any decent seats available to the public unless you want to pay $450. Uh, I'm sure even Roger Bart doesn't feel he's worth that. Well, that aside, I'm going to give a, a small little preview of uh, what might be happening this year. Something already has opened, and it's a hit. Uh, something we were very surprised at, uh, Xanadu. Big hit, actually. I think it did 90% last week. Um, although for that theater, that's not a lot of money. Uh, but for that show, it probably doesn't cost that much to put on. Good luck to you people. Uh, I had a great time. I hope it stays with us. As far as preview of this year, another thing has started previews. Uh, Greece. We all know the score. Uh, let's see how, the, how good the show is. I have good feelings about it. It's going to be a hit no matter what anybody has to say about it. You know, because... Everyone will be coming to see Laura and Max. And from what I hear, they're pretty darn good. My customers are, are kind of loving it. This fall, we're going to have The Little Mermaid, spending an awful lot of money on that, on that show. As some of you know from one of my past podcasts, I know people in the show. Uh, I wish them a lot of luck. I hope that's a hit. Although I, I can't see it not being a hit. It's been... Worked, worked on to death. If they don't have it down right now, uh, it never will be right. Then the said Young Frankenstein. That's another point I'd like to make. We don't even know if that show's good. And we're spending tons of money on it. Good people in the show. I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to seeing Mr. Bart and Miss Mullally on stage. And uh, a friend of mine, Shula Hemsley, is playing, playing the Frankenstein monster. Uh, I hope he's practices putting on the Ritz. Looking forward to that. And I hope it is a hit. I hope it's uh, worth the uh, $451.25 that some people might be paying for it. And one of my loves of this, of this past spring, In the Heights, will be here in February. It's opening at the Richard Rogers on February 2008. I hope that's a hit. I'm rooting for it a, uh, a great deal. I hope, I hope basically they more or less import the same cast that I saw because they were fantastic. Surprisingly, this year, uh, to this point, except for Greece, I don't see any revivals uh, opening up. Uh, and I hope that the Imperial Theater is not going to be dark until next fall when it's supposed to be getting B B Billy Elliot. I hope it's not dark till then. Hopefully, we'll also see A Tale of Two Cities. I know the music. I've been living with that music for a few years. It's a wonderful score, but it's going to be a Les Mis-type pop opera. I know the producers of the show, and uh, I know some of the people involved. I'm hoping that Jim Barber has a success on Broadway. I know other people in that show, J. Mark McVeigh, uh, Natalie Toro, of course. She's, she was an Eponine in Les Mis for a while, uh, many years ago. Uh, she's great. She has a great song to sing. I'm kind of rooting for that show. I've been with 
the composer, Jill Santoriello, for a number of years, uh, supporting her work. So uh, I'm kind of hoping for success. And uh, Mr. Sharp, Ron Sharp, in case you're listening, he's one of the producers. Uh, we need opening night tickets. So other than that, <laughs> I'm hoping for a lot of success. This year wasn't uh, too bad a year. You know, we had some hits that are actually still playing. But as I said, other than Greece, I can't think of any of any revivals this year. And uh, if you have any ideas about what I've just talked about, especially those lines about producers selling their own tickets at a, at a premium price, that is a major problem with me. I have a major bug up my proverbial ass over that. Most of the shows are doing it. Some of the shows you can get in to see anyway, uh, but on some... You need the premium price tickets if you're going to go at all, unless you have connections, like I do sometimes. Uh, in any case, if you have any suggestions or anything you want me to talk about, email me directly at broadwaymarty at AOL.com. Once again, mostly on the positive side, stay on the positive side. This is Marty Cooper. On the Positive Side is brought to you by The Colony, online at colonymusic.com or in the heart of the theater district at 49th and Broadway. You can always say, I found it at The Colony. Broadway Abridged Live. When you just don't have three and a half hours for a show. Broadway Abridged presents A Chorus Line Abridged, or Michael Bennett Was a Sick, Sick Fuck. We begin on a simple line, also known as the $7.99 set, with a million dollar load-in. Enter the director slash choreographer character. Burp, burp, fart, fart, scratch, crotch, again! Apparently the only straight director slash choreographer ever. I've now seen you all dance. And being that we're casting for eight dancers, I could just let you all go home. The dancers pack up their stuff so they can go to take more dance classes But apparently, the producers blew a couple grand to rent this space for an extra two hours. Also, I'm a sadistic bastard, so I'm going to ask you to divulge some very personal information in front of these random strangers. Dancers who don't show enthusiasm don't get a job. Yay! You! Yeah? Entertain me! What? Tell me how you began dancing. Now! Uh, my sister used to take tap lessons until she got tired of him, and my mother said she'd beat the shit out of me if I didn't take my sister's place. So I put my sister's shoes and began dancing. That was very possibly the most boring story ever. But you, you asked me to... You! Tell me of your inner demons! Sure, let me hide the unhappiness of my childhood with some unfunny jokes that my cast members will be forced to laugh at. <laughs> he continues in mute as we hear the cast's inner thoughts. What should I tell him when I get chosen? What does he want to hear? What a strange audition process. Do I really want to be working for this sick bastard? You! Big for a job! I have attitude! Lots and lots of attitude! Lots of self-confidence, okay? Listen to me talk about my self-confidence! How great I think I am, alright? How great will you think you are when I ask you to tell me about your father? <gasps> no! Daddy didn't love me enough! <laughs> <laughs> Who else's parents didn't love them? The dancers respond. My mommy used to say I was ugly. My parents had to fix their loveless marriage. My daddy used to beat me. Sorry, that one wasn't a dancer. That was the girl from Spring Awakening. We were not loved growing up, so we became dancers. Because dancing heals all. Dancing heals all. Art heals all. Tuck this message in your musical and you can win a Pulitzer. 
good so far, but you aren't humiliated enough yet. Let's talk about puberty. Say something about puberty or you won't be able to afford to eat food. I paid in bed and still do. I thought I was female too. My left ass cheek is bigger than my right. Before spelling bee in the joke, I discovered I would get erections walking down the hall. You would too? Boy, I thought I was the only one. No, mid-twenties male. A lot of people get them. In fact, thanks to this tight costume, you can see that I have one right now. <sighs> you, tell me about your tits. In front of all these strangers as if it was a totally normal thing to do. I bought these when I... Everybody look at her tits! And what were you before you bought those tatas? Flat. And what are you now? Being that it's the 70s, probably at risk for any number of medical problems. <laughs> oh, God! This is the best day of that in a while! <laughs> what, what does, does he, he want, want to know? know? Doesn't, Doesn't actor's equity forbid this? Well, I, I suppose, suppose it, it might not. After all, this is set in the 1970s. Boy, the 70s were weird. Whoops, the writer just ran out of stupid questions for me to ask you. So I'll tally up these scorecards in two categories. My ability to break down your sense of self-worth, and who's most likely to go down on me during rehearsals. Also, it just occurred to me that I should probably see which of you can sing. I can't. At all. And I have an entire damn song about it. Strange how we missed that entirely during the audition song you theoretically would have come in with. No matter. You and everybody else, go stage right and learn the only song for this musical that anybody really knows. Everybody leaves, except for the girl who's twice their age. You wanted to see me? Yeah. Remember when you and I used to date and then we stopped dating and then broke up and now we don't date anymore? Yeah. Just checking. Thanks for the exposition. Also, I love to dance. She dances. She watches herself dance. We watch her dance. Oh, ten minutes pass. Oh, this would have been a good time to go to the bathroom, being that this is the closest you're going to get to an intermission. Enter Guy with sad, soul-bearing monologue. I'm ready for my sad, soul-bearing monologue. It better be soul-bearing. Make up stuff if you have to. The more wretched it is, the more likely I am to hire you. Really? Shit, who knows? He gives a long, slow monologue about how he used to dress up like a girl and dance and hide it from his parents. Blah, 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 something, something, eternal conflict. And then we were going to go on tour, but my parents came to drop off my luggage. They saw me on stage, a lady. Oh, <laughs> guy with sad, soul-bearing monologue. Why are you crying? Is it because your father found out you are a cross-dresser and you are ashamed? No, it's because my parents didn't find out till they came to drop off my luggage. If I was in some show, wouldn't you think they've wanted to see me in it? No, because my parents never loved me. Audience, don't you see? Don't you see what happens to kids whose parents don't love them enough? They feel pain. They crave attention. They become... Actors. 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 Do you want your children to end up like this? Actors enter. They are bright-eyed, full of hope, and ready for their dreams to be crushed. Now dance for me, puppets. Boogly boogly. Boogly boogly. Boogly boogly. Puppets. Puppets. Suddenly, the best dancer of all falls and breaks his leg. Oh no, I fell and may never be able to dance again. Stop the audition! A few guys lift him up and bring him to the hospital, conveniently located off stage. How did he fall? I waxed up his shoes when he wasn't looking. Fought? Fie! Convenient segue into the question... What would you do if you couldn't dance? I don't know what I'd do. I'd find another job. 
I say, it doesn't matter what happens. I did it for love. I did it for love. We, we did, did it, it for, for love. love. Taking that song for the movie. Button. Audience applause because this is an 11 o'clock number and that is what they were trained to do. Good audience. You get a treat. Wait. Did what for love? Break a leg and never dance again? Yeah, yeah. No, Break my leg. I asked the questions here! I'm ready to tell you who made it into my show. Didn't we not finish that dance audition there? I actually chose the cast over an hour ago. This is just how I get off. But all those questions you've been asking. I'm going to steal your personal material to write a Broadway show that's going to run forever and make me millions! Ah, stories? Oh! So we get royalties! Mm, no. People whose names I call step forward. He calls eight actors' names and they step forward. Yes, we, we made it! Elation! Psych! You are the eight who didn't make it! But you should have seen your faces when I brought your hopes way up before crushing them! <laughs> Asshole. The rest of you are in my Broadway show. Go change into gold-colored clothing and get ready for the finale. Everybody leaves, suddenly. Hey, it turns out I was just fine. My leg stopped hurting me, but five minutes later... No. Oh, it's you, guy who fell. Yeah, uh, did I get a part? Uh, I just assumed that since you fell, <laughs> you weren't going to be... Director looks left. Uh, Director looks right. Uh, then he shoots guy who fell in the throat. Because I'm a director! <laughs> and to this day, under the floorboards of that theater stage, you can still find the decaying body of Guy Who Fell. The moral of the story is, directors are evil. Blackout. Broadway Abridged Live didn't come to you from thin air. It has been performed by these great talents. I'm Josh Burstein, and I always get cast as the Italian mobster slash waiter. I'm Rachel Pincus, and I'm always cast as the wise-cracking best friend who never gets laid. I'm Ashley Adler, and I always get cast as the sexually repressed Jewish smartass. Oh, what the hell, bitch. I'm Gil Verode, and I'm a rip-off artist. To get more of your favorite Broadway shows a bit twisted in ten minutes at a time, be sure to visit broadwayabridged.com. Top of the trades. All right, with all this great stuff on the show, we're running out of time because I like to clock this in at under 80 minutes for those of you who like to burn a CD. If it's really easy from iTunes, by the way, just drag it into a playlist, hit burn. But we're going to try something new here since we're out of time, so hold on for the ride. Chaz Palminteri will return to Broadway this fall in a limited engagement of A Bronx Tale, the one-man show he performed in Los Angeles off-Broadway in the late 80s that inspired the 1993 film of the same name. Tony Award winner Patti Lapone, who recently finished an acclaimed run as Rose in the City Center Encore production of Gypsy, will be one of the performers at the upcoming Shakespeare Theatre Company opening gala for Harmon Center for the Arts. B.B. Newworth will be honored at the CTFD Jubilee. October 29th, Rolex presents Dance Rocks, an electrifying evening of entertainment, career transition for dancers, 22nd anniversary Jubilee on Monday, October 29th at 7 p.m. at New York City Center, 131 West 55th Street. Between 7 and 6 Avenues, visit www www.careerstransition.org for more information on career transition for dancers. And the family-friendly musical Max and Ruby will play a limited engagement at the Lucille Lortel Theater in Greenwich Village this winter. Presented by TheaterWorks USA, previews will begin at the Off-Broadway venue December 7th with an official opening schedule for December 9th. The production will play through January 13th, 2008. Max and Ruby features music and lyrics by Carol Hall and a book by Glenn Berger. Randy White will direct. Tickets will be available by calling 212-279-4200. For more information, visit www.twusa.org. Oh, I so almost did that in one take. Top of the Trades is sponsored by Broadway World Visit broadwayworld.com for all the greatest theater news and discussion and forums. Curtain Call.
All right, a little birdie tells me that Anthony Rapp is coming on the show next week. Uh, let's cross your fingers and hope for that. And uh, again, thanks to all the help from all of our great interns. I don't have a lot of time to wrap this up. So I'm your host, Michael Gilbo. And until next week, thanks so much for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet. I wouldn't want it to be too perfect every night. It is live after all. It is live. So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And if that isn't enough, we've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments, even private loans if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.